Have you already been blessed today? I tell you, God is so, so good, and, uh, and he has chosen just to meet with us uh, here this morning, and uh, man, don't you love coming to church? All right, I'm, I got 10 excited church members. Let me say that again. Don't you love coming to church? Okay, some of you maybe have never said amen in your life. That's a good time to do it, okay? And uh, no, it is so good to, uh, to be here. And uh, man, I, I just, this is, this is the place I want to be. And uh, I love coming here. And uh, it's, just, it's just awesome. And uh, just just refreshes my soul. And, uh, and I hope that it does the same to you. I want to echo what Pastor David said. And uh, we had a busy weekend here at Union Grove. And I know many of you uh, have spent your weekend with us already. And I just want to say thank you for, for that. And uh, ladies, I know you guys had a great time. My wife uh, just enjoyed the weekend, hanging out with each one of you. And uh, we had, I believe, like, I think there was about 65 to 70 ladies who, uh, who spent the weekend just uh, challenging themselves and allowing the Lord to speak into their life. And uh, just had a great time uh, here uh, over the weekend. And uh, so if you missed it, ladies, uh, let me encourage you when we do these things again, and we will be doing stuff like this again, let me encourage you to, uh, to be the first ones to sign up. And uh, I promise it will be good uh, for you. And, uh, and then we can't forget about the men. Uh, we had uh, our men's breakfast uh, down at Arcadia. And, uh, and listen, I, had, I, I felt like if we had food that men would show up, and they did. And, and so everything, we're going to start serving food on Sunday mornings now just to get more men in the building. And uh, just kidding, but uh, no, they showed up, and we had a great time, and, and uh, Arcadia uh, down here on 150 just did a great job serving us, and, and uh, it was just a, just a fun time uh, getting together with some men in the church, um, and, and it, was, it was just a, a great weekend, and uh, so I'm excited about just some of the fruit that is going to come uh, from this, and, uh, and I wanted to say I was debating on, on talking about this, but since so many of you have uh, ragged me all morning, I am going to say um, I came down front, and on top of my Bible, there was a, a napkin, a tissue with the word sorry on it, and, uh, and uh, listen, I hear you. I don't know who, who did that, but I believe firmly in church discipline, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding, but no, it, it's, uh, it's good, and I like to, uh, like to pick, and uh, some of you are mad, maybe because if you, if you texted me, if you're, if you're new to this church, I am a Duke fan, and, and uh, so I know we lost uh, last night, and um, that's probably a good time. Aren't you guys supposed to say, like, tar, whatever y'all say, I don't know. It's like, I just thought it's kind of one of those mantras. Anytime you say something about it, half the room just knows you got a chant or whatever. And, uh, but no, uh, if you're wondering, uh, if you're a new church member, I just want you to understand something about me. I am not an unfriendly person, but I do not text after those games. And so if you texted me last night, I'm sorry I did not respond, but I did see it, okay? And... Um, and deleted your numbers out of my phone. Everybody cares about stuff like Duke and Carolina, so if we lost, you showed up at church the next day, and people are like, oh, that was last night, and I'm like, man, it's so refreshing. 
So last night I was on Zillow looking for homes in Jacksonville. Just kidding. And uh, no, I, I love I love uh, kidding around and and uh, no, but it's it's been a great weekend here at Union Grove. And uh, if this is your first time here, I want to welcome you as well. And uh, I do appreciate you being here. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at the church. And and uh, and let me encourage, just like Pastor David said, if this is your first time, let me encourage. I would love to meet you after the service. And uh, and then also you can uh, stop by the welcome center. And uh, we'd love to get a free gift in your hands just as our way of saying thank you uh, for being here today because we recognize you could have been. Uh, there's a ton of good churches in our community. I'm grateful for every single one of them. And, uh, and so you chose to be here today, and we just greatly appreciate, uh, appreciate that. Um, let's go to 1 Samuel uh, chapter number 18. 1 Samuel 18. Um, the last couple of weeks we have been in a series um, through uh, the life of, of David, the life of David, and uh, and David is one of my uh, favorite characters. I love I love studying the life of David just because at some level every single person in this room, if you're a if you're a teenager in here, if you're a, a older person in here, if you are somewhere in the middle, or if you uh, maybe want to do right and find yourself falling into sin or or whatever, I'm just telling you that you can relate to some degree with the life of David. He had ups and he had some big ups, some moments of success, moments where, you know, the Lord was so proud of him and everything. And then there was moments where he had some moments of weakness. And, and isn't that all of our, our lives? And, and, uh, and I know it is yours because I know it is, is mine as well. And so I love studying uh, the life of David. And just to kind of catch you up to chapter 18, uh, last weekend um, we looked at David and Goliath, which is the most uh, talked about story. Many of you, when you say the life of David, that's probably the first thing that pops into your head is, uh, is Goliath and his victory over, uh, over Goliath. And, uh, but if you, fa- if you kind of rewind to two weeks ago, um, we learned that Saul uh, had been doing some things that were not pleasing to God. In other words, he just disobeyed the direct command uh, of God. And, and so God rejected Saul and his leadership. He told Samuel to go and anoint a new king. Samuel goes to the house of De- uh, Jesse over in Bethlehem. And, uh, and he goes there, and, and, uh, and he, he ends up anointing David, the run of the family, the one who didn't even get invited to the party when Samuel showed up the first time. And, and, uh, and so they had to go find him out in the field, and, and uh, David comes in. He's young. He's a teenager. And, uh, and Samuel, he looks at all these brothers of his, warriors, big guys that look, hey, these, these guys have to be the next king. And Sure enough, it ends up being David, the unlikely one out of the out of the bunch. He gets anointed with oil, and Samuel goes back to Rama, and uh, and David heads back to to the field. Uh, soon after, uh, the uh, Philistines are are wanting to fight the Israelites, and and nobody from Israel's camp would would fight. And David goes, and he's delivering some food to his brothers. And uh, sure enough, David sees the battle. He sees something totally different than what anybody else could could see. And uh, he noticed the main thing, that this army, the Philistines, were defying the name of God, which David was like, that's something I'm going to be fighting for. And, uh, and you and I should be fighting for that even today, by the way. And, uh, and that's what they did, and David fought, and we know the story. And uh, he did everything, including chopped off the head of, of Goliath, pretty 
pretty intense. And after that, Saul, uh, he, um, he obviously is impressed. He wants to uh, talk to David. He, he goes to, uh, to Abner, and that's found in chapter, seven, or, uh, chapter 17. And uh, Abner was the captain of the host. And, and he asked Abner, he said, Who, whose son is this youth? He says, in other words, who is this, this kid that just defeated Goliath, right? The guy that nobody else was, was willing to face. And, and he asked Abner, he says, who is this? I love Abner's response in verse 55 of chapter 17. He says this to the king. He says, oh, king, I cannot tell. <laughs> he says, man, I've never heard of this guy. And, and uh, so they, they inquire of him and David goes before King Saul. He says, I'm the, I'm the son of thy servant Jesse. And, uh, and Saul invites him here in chapter 18 to come leave Bethlehem and go work for him, which was interesting because you had to be 20 years old to be in the army of Israel. And, uh, and David was just below that. And so in verse 18, or um, verse 1 of chapter 18 is where we're going to uh, kick things off. I want to say this up front. Um, that this message, I really believe this, is probably one of the most practical messages that, that I, have, I have preached, maybe ever, uh, but probably here. It applies to every single person in the room. And uh, so I want you to uh, lean in a little bit to maybe what God uh, has for you, because what we're going to talk about today is what all of us were, were made for and built uh, for, and that's the idea of, of friendship. Verse 1, chapter 18 says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of, of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own, own soul. And Saul took him that day, David, and, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David, they made a covenant because he loved him as his own Soul and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him. He gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and, and, and his girdle. So I want you to understand, we're going to look at some other scripture through the life of David here in just a moment, but I'm really speaking on, on these four verses. If you were in our service last week, we were in David and Goliath. It was the complete opposite. We looked at 54 verses of scripture. Today's only four. Uh, but here's what, what I want to talk about is the idea of, uh, of friendship. Jonathan and David were, were friends. Now let me tell you something about about Jonathan by way of introduction. Jonathan was the first son of Saul. The first son of Saul. So in other words, he, he was going to be the guy. Like, you have to understand and kind of put yourself in, in the story here. He was going to be the next king, or he could be the next, next king of, of Israel. We see a few chapters back, I believe in, in chapter 13, we know Jonathan was old enough to be in the army because he was actually defeating. He had a battle with the Philistines, um, and he ended up defeating them just a few chapters before David even comes onto the scene. And so Jonathan was this warrior, and there was nothing really on the surface that would say that Jonathan was not fully prepared and willing to take the throne. So you can imagine if it was his throne to lose. I mean, it was his, his job. Have you ever been there where, you know, you feel like you are in line for something, 
And then out of nowhere, God has a different plan, and he chooses to anoint a completely different person, not from Saul, but here comes, here comes David. Jonathan could have, you know, been upset. He could have, you know, allowed his anger to get the best of him. He could have allowed his, his pride to get the best of him. But, but we see here that in verse 1, their, their souls were knit, knit together. They were close. They were friends. Jonathan loved David just like himself. He, he was a, a, dear, a dear friend to David. Verse 4, that when he stripped himself of, of his robe and, and he laid down his sword, you say, why, why was he doing that? You see, that was implying to him that he is laying down his rights to possibly one day take over Israel. He's laying them down to David, and honestly, he is giving the approval, David, you're the next king of Israel. This is God's plan. Jonathan cared much more about God's plan for Israel than he did his plan for for himself. I want to talk for a few moments today about about friendship. About friendship. Um, We all need good friends today, right? Okay, everybody in here, you who didn't say amen, I hope your friend is not sitting next to you, okay? We need good, good, good friends. Everybody in here, it doesn't matter how young you are, doesn't matter how old you are, everybody in here needs relationships. In fact, if you go all the way back to Genesis, it says that it's not even good for man to be alone. And you say, why is why is that? It's because everybody in here was actually born with the, with the need for relationships in their life. Every one of us. Yeah, that's, the, that's the reason that, that God even you know, sent Jesus. It's more than just we get to be in heaven. That's a huge part of it, and we should amen and be hallelujah all day long about that. But the truth is, God wanted a relationship with you. You see, that is, that's a, a big part of the Christian life. You know, I feel like I grew up in church my whole life, like many of you, so if your experience is similar to mine, I used to, for the longest time, think that Christianity is like a get-out-of-hell-free card. You know, it's kind of like, hey, I'm, I did it, now I can go to heaven. But it's way more than that. You say, is that a piece of it? Of course it is, and I'm grateful for that. But the big piece of it is, is, is God knows that you were born into this world needing a relationship with him, and, and that's what we need. And, and we were born for relationships. He understands that. That's why friendship is so, so important. And, and this idea of friendship, I was thinking about this as I was studying this, and we're going to look uh, through the life of David at some friends that he had. But I, I really believe this statement, and I want you to understand this. And if you're young in here, I really want you to lean in as well because this is super important. Friends, it's really the big idea today. Friends determine the direction that you are heading. Let me say that again. Friends determine the direction that you are are heading. Now you say, Pastor Josh, that cannot be that cannot be true. Let me just say this. This is not something new. This is something that all of us in here have experienced. 
In fact, I bet if we went around the room, and we don't have time to do so, but if we went around the room, we could all find this to be true. We could probably all tell a story of somebody that we know, maybe personally, who, who was really doing well, and then they got mixed up with a group of people and started going down a different, different path. You say, why does that happen? It's because our closest circle of influence, our friends, determine the direction in which you are heading. In fact, Solomon, he, he talks about this in the book of Proverbs. He says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. How many of you want to be wise? Raise your hand, okay? A few of us in here. A few of you are kind of like, no, nah, I'm pretty cool with being a fool. No, nah, it's fine. <laughs> Just kidding. But we all want that, right? Nobody in here, when it comes down to it, is like, man, that whole wisdom thing, it's really not my not my game. I don't want that. But no, we all want wisdom. And, and there's a promise here. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. You see, the Bible is very clear about the importance of friendship. If you want to be wise, it's very simple. It's not rocket scientist. I'm not the smartest guy in this room, but I can figure this out. If I want to be wise, what do I have to do? Surround myself with wise people, right? You see, the idea that friends determine the direction that we're heading, it's not nothing new. In fact, Solomon understood that. If you even look at his life, which, you know, the book of Proverbs was written later in the, Solomon's life, and Solomon, he's like talking to his son throughout the book. It's such a, a fantastic book to study because it's really the instruction of a father to the son, and, and he's given him all this wisdom. And if anybody understands the importance of friends determining the direction you're heading, it's Solomon. Solomon was doing great, right? And, and then he allowed a lot of the influences of the women that he was going after in different places, he allowed them to influence him and completely change the direction of his life. You see, the friends that you and I have, doesn't matter how old you are, they are going to determine the direction in which you are going. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But listen, that's a promise. But there's also a warning attached to the end of it. You say, what's the, what's the warning? The verse goes on, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's strong. Like if you think about it, that is a very strong warning, a warning that every person in here should lean in a little bit and decide who's your closest circle of influence are they ones that are helping me become wise, or am I surrounding myself with fools? Friends determine the direction that you are heading. And if we all, all lean in and understand if that be true, and I think the Bible is very clear that it is true, then I think it's important for us, we all want to end up in the right place, right? You, you can't you don't talk to any elementary age kid or any middle school kid and, and, and you talk to them and say, hey, where do you want to end up when you're 25? None of them are going to say, well, you know, I really want to, when I get into high school, I want to start experimenting everything and I want to, you know, make some really poor decisions. I want to drop out of school. I want to, you know, become an alcoholic and, and I want to, you know, be on my third marriage or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Nobody wants that direction for their life when they set out. 
But you see, if we're not careful at the sphere of influence that we put into our life, we can end up in places that we do not want to be. But if you are really careful at the influences that you allow into your life, you can end up somewhere better than you could have ever imagined for your life. You see, it's all about who we allow to to influence. Because we want to end up in the right place, we want the wisdom of God in our life, it's important that we put the right people in our lives. You see, David, he did that. I want to give you three people in David's life that he allowed to come into his life to help him get to where you and I know him as a man after God's own heart. The first one is we just learned of him, Jonathan. I'm going to call Jonathan the encourager. Let me just say this. You need someone who can encourage you in your walk with the Lord. You need a friend in your life that can lift you up. All of us need people that we surround ourselves with, like Jonathan, who can help us. 1 Samuel 23, we find David, he's hiding for his life. And we're going to learn as we journey through David's life, we're going to learn that Saul gets extremely jealous of David, doesn't he? He wants to kill him, has the opportunity several times. And as he's wanting to kill him, David had left and and was finding some hiding in a place called Horesh in 1 Samuel 23. And you know who shows up in a moment of, of distress, a moment of discouragement, a moment of fear? Jonathan. It says in verse 16 of 1 Samuel 23, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood. And what did he do? He strengthened his hand in God. He strengthened his hand in God. I want you to think about Jonathan and his relationship with David. Jonathan sacrificed a lot to be friends with David. You got to understand that his dad wanted David dead. (laughs) You ever wanted to hang out with someone that your mom and dad wanted dead? Okay, maybe not, right? I know that's a little bit strong, but I want you to think about it. I know when I was, I was looking at this and studying this, I was thinking about growing up, and, and my parents were, were strict. And when I say my parents were strict, I mean, we had rules like for our rules, right? We had a list of rules like don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And, and then there was like 10 sub-rules to all of them. So I couldn't do a whole lot of things. And my parents were super careful about who I was around. And your parents probably were. That's why this idea that friends determine the direction that we're heading is nothing new under the sun because all of us had a mom or a dad or a guardian at some point that told us, hey, where are you going to be tonight? And when you said it, they were like, you're not going there, right? Am I the only one with parents like that? Thank you, mom and dad, if you're watching. But you see what I'm saying? Like, that we had parents like that, and I was thinking back to my parents, and my parents were, you know, they, they would say, hey, you can't go there, you have to be home, you can't spend the night at this place, you know. We had rules. It, it's because my parents knew that some of the people around me would determine and influence the direction that we're heading. If you look at this story, Saul, the king of Israel, his son, Jonathan, who, who could have been in line for this, Jonathan becomes best friends with Saul's greatest enemy. 
That's pretty intense. That's pretty risky for Jonathan to show up when Saul is looking for him to kill him, and Jonathan pops up and not only protects David, but he strengthened his hand in God. Let me say this, that we need encouragement in our life. Every person in here, I don't care how strong you think you are, every person in here needs a friend that can encourage them. You see, at our church, one thing that that I love about our church is we have these things called Bible fellowship classes. And and I get it. I I understand it makes for a longer Sunday morning sometimes to come to that and stay for church and and everything. But let me just say this, that, that that's where some of the greatest relationships happen within our church. You know, we got a, a big room in here, and, you know, I grew up in church, and, and uh, one thing that, you know, was always cool was when I was growing up, and I guess COVID just kind of did away with this in most churches a couple years ago, but you remember the days when it's kind of like, all right, greet, greet one another, shake a hand, music's playing, choir's coming down, you know, and you shake hands or whatever. Listen, in a room this size, you're probably not going to get to know people really, really well in the 40 seconds that you get to ask them how they're doing, right? That's not a time where it's kind of like, man, how was your week, you know? No, it's a time like, hey, you go around. I used to count how many people I could shake their hands, you know, in 30 seconds. <laughs> you see, it's not a time for that. Why? Because this is a, a big room with a lot of people. It's impossible for you to really get the kind of friends that you need in your life in moments like, like this in a large group room. That's why we ask you to step out of of the rows in here and and find a Bible fellowship class, which are much smaller than this, so that you can get to know people and have people that when your life's falling apart, they can show up like Jonathan did in David's life, and they can strengthen your hand in God. That's the reason for relationships in a church. Listen, I do not understand, and I'm not harping on anybody. This is your philosophy about church. I'm not harping on it. I just don't get it. I don't understand why we like, there's people in churches who like to slip in and slip out and nobody ever notice them. I'm thinking, man, some of the weeks that, that I have, I can't wait to get in here and somebody lift my spirits. I think that that's what we should, we should be running to relationships in a local church, not running away from it. And you you see, this idea, Jonathan, he sacrificed everything. He risked everything to show up when life was bad for David just to strengthen his hand in God. Let me say this. You need friends, and you need to be a friend who walks in when everyone walks out. We all have difficult moments, right? We all have tough times. There's going to be times in your future where you're going to lose a loved one. There's going to be times in the future where something's going to happen at your work. Maybe, God forbid, this happened, but you lose your job or something happened in your family. You get a terrible diagnosis at the doctor, and you're going to need relationships that are going to encourage you. That's what the church is for. It's family. You don't walk out in your family when life gets hard, do you? No, we stick together, don't we? I know in our family, like, we're dysfunctional sometimes. Not me, my wife, and my kids. The rest of them, they're wild. <laughs> you have fa- How many of you have a family group chat, right? Man, you want to talk about messed up families? Get in a family group chat on your phone. 
Like we have sub chats, you know, like where we are like, man, I don't want, I don't want them in this one. So we have a, another chat where it eliminates them. Then it's like, you have another one that eliminates. No, I'm just kidding. But you see what I, what I'm saying. Okay. There is some truth there. I don't want to lie. Right. But here's the thing. We, we, we are like family. And, and when you have a family, like when life gets bad, man, family shows up. We, we show up to strengthen one another. If life gets tough, like, I mean, if something happens in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm dropping what I'm doing, and I'm heading to my family down there if life gets really hard. You would do the same for yours. We need that in our churches. We need that type of loyalty, that type of relationship in our church. David had that with Jonathan, that when he's running for his life, Jonathan risked it all to show up when life was tough to strengthen his hand in God. Are you that friend? Do you have the Jonathan in your life? The second friend that, that David had was, was Samuel. We learned about Samuel, and I want to call him the, the sharpener. He, he was a, a, uh, a guy, a prophet that showed up, and he anointed David. He anointed David. It's the second friend that, that he needs. So he had Jonathan the encourager. Now he has Samuel the sharpener. We see later in, in our stories through the life of David that, that Samuel actually protected David. He protected David when, when David flees from, flees from Saul. Man, I tell you, David needed some friends. Man, he was running for his life. He was running for his life, and, and people like, like Jonathan and people like Samuel, they just continuously protected, and God used the friends in his life to protect him from what Saul wanted to do in his life. Samuel, he made David better. He sharpened him. In Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, it says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of, of his of his friend. Let me just say this. You need friends in your life who, who will sharpen you. You need friends in your life who, who will sharpen your life. In other words, you need friends in your life that you surround yourself with that will help you become better, a better follower of Jesus. By the way, if you, I mean, everybody in here, we come in, how many, we want to be, I don't want to raise, raise hands in here for this one, but we all come in here and we want to be better followers of Jesus right? Well, the way to do that is surround ourselves with people who are going to help us become better followers of Jesus. You want to become, hey, men, you want to become a good, a good dad in here? Surround yourself with really good dads that, that can help you and rub off on, on you. You want to be a person that's wise in here? Surround yourself with people with wisdom, you want to be a, a good mom in here? Surround yourself with ladies and find places that you can get around ladies who are going to challenge you to be better in your relationship with God. You see, David had this. David had his encouraging friend, Jonathan, but then he also had guys like Samuel who, who were being used by God to raise David up. You know, one thing, I was talking to somebody just a couple months ago about this, uh, a month and a half or so ago at my house, and, and we were talking about Union Grove, and, and one of the things that I love about our church is, is there's so much spiritual uh, heritage and spiritual maturity in our church. Like, if you're really looking for somebody who's wise and, and a hero of the faith or someone like a saint that, that you're like, man, I would love to one day be where they are in their relationship with, with God, Union Grove is full of them. 
We have men in our church, and, and when I was thinking about coming back here, that was one of the, one of the exciting things about, about this church is, is the men and, and the women in our church that have walked with God for, for many, many years, longer than I've been alive. And I get to pastor them and, and do life with people around me that I want to be like one day. What better opportunity so if you're attending here, there's, there's no reason to pop in, pop out, don't know anybody, and get out as soon as possible. No, this is a place that, that we should, as a church, we should welcome people wherever they're at in their faith journey and try to get them plugged in with people who can sharpen them to become a better follower of Jesus than when they walked in the first time. That's what our church is, is about. You see, uh, David, he had Jonathan the encourager, he had Samuel, the sharpener. Then he has, number three, Nathan, the truth teller. I want you to flip over real quick. We're not going to look too deep. We're going to look at this in uh, another week of this series, but first Samuel, or Second Samuel chapter 12. I want you to see, so these stories that we're going through through the life of David, many of them are not, are not new. I mean, many of you are going to know these stories, so this isn't like, you know, something brand new where somebody in here probably came in not knowing about David and Bathsheba. And so David, you know, he, he sins with Bathsheba. He sees her uh, bathing on a rooftop, and he should have been away at battle. He calls for his guards to go get her. They end up sleeping together, and they have a child together. And, and so his life is spiraling out of control. He tried to hide his sin so many different times. You know, he tried to erase it so that nobody would know about it. And then what did he do? He ended up hiding it to the point where, man, if I, if I can put her you know, husband on the front lines of battle, he could die, and, and then it'll just make sense. I'll just marry her, and, and then we'll show up pregnant, and nobody will ever know what really went on. By the way, that's a terrible philosophy at life because we all know that God knows everything. If you're trying to hide things today, there's one person that you can never hide anything from. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at today. And I want to encourage you, don't hide from God. And we're not talking about David as the teenager anymore. We're talking about the king of Israel at the time. He's like maneuvering things, trying to, you know, make sure nobody knows about the sin that he's committed. Let me just say this. God knew all along. So what did he do? He killed Uriah. God sends Nathan. So David, he's thinking, I did it. Nobody knows about my sin. We've, we've got it. Nathan knocks on his door. Chapter 12 and uh, verse 1. And he says this, The Lord sent Nathan unto David, came unto him, said unto him, David, there were two men in one city, one rich, one poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, drank of his own cup, lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. This traveler came unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. See what the rich man did? Terrible. David's listening to the story. First of all, I'm just surprised David's not, like, interrupting him. Hey, why are you at my door to begin with, right? Nathan just shows up, and he starts telling him a, a story. 
David's response to the story is he kind of was drawn into this story. David's anger, verse 5, was greatly kindled against the, the man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing, he shall surely die. David's like, man, what a terrible person that was. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And I want you to look at this next verse because it's super important. David had people like this in his life, and we, you, I, we all need them. Nathan looked at him, and I love this. Nathan said to David, as David's mad, he's like, what a, what a sorry story. What a sorry rich man. Man, that guy needs to die. David looks at him. Thou art that man. David ends up repenting of a sin. And let me just say this about this story. When we think about relationships, we need encouragement. That's, that's kind of the easy one. That's the one that everybody wants. We all want people to come and just speak into our lives and encourage. Just makes us feel really good. That's a good one. We need people who are going to sharpen us like Samuel, people like pastors and, and, and seasoned men or women of God who can, who can help you be better and challenge you in your relationship with God. But we also need to surround ourselves with people like Nathan, the truth teller, who's willing to tell us not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. You see, some of us, we don't ever surround ourselves with people like this because we never want to hear anything bad about our life. And if that's you and you're like, man, I'm just putting people around me that just want to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, perfect idea, great, that's awesome, that's what we need. If you're like, man, that's the only people that I want in the circle of influence in my life, I would say this, that, man, those people might be really good, but you are missing an element of your Christian life that may be a difference in the direction that you are heading today. There's a lot of people that made a lot of bad decisions and ended up somewhere that they did not want to be because they did not have somebody who would say, you need to stop doing what you're doing. You need to stop living like you're living, and you need to get back to where you were once heading. You see, we need people like that. Now, we don't like it. Trust me, I, I don't like it. I have two men in Florida that call me once a month, and they challenge me, and sometimes they have to ask me about pride. I'll start talking about our church and how something went, and, and they'll say, well, just be careful that you don't become... You see, they, they're willing, and I've given them the authority because I don't want to end up somewhere that I don't want to be. I don't want to head down a direction that I don't want to go down and a road that I don't want to go down. So I've allowed a few people to speak into my life to help me get to a place that I want to be one day. Let me say this, that telling the truth is not always easy, but it is always right. It's always right. And you need somebody in your life, not who's just going to encourage you when you make poor decisions. You know, like, oh, keep going, doing good. I would have made the same decision. You need somebody that's going to say, hey, knock it off. That's a bad decision. Say, man, that's not a friend. No, that's probably the real friend that your life needs. You see, that's what we need in our life. We need somebody like Jonathan. It's going to show up when life gets tough and encourage us. Strengthen our hand in him. We need a sharpener like Samuel. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe some of you who 
are, are maybe younger in your faith and you need to just grow, you need to find somebody in this church and go to them and say, hey, listen, I need you just to meet with me once every couple weeks and disciple me. I need somebody to help me. I, I can't get victory over this and that and this and this. And I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying and I just can't, I, I just continuously fail. I need some help. You see, we have people all throughout our church that can get connected with you and help you make better decisions in your life. And then some of you need somebody in your life who's going to just be the Nathan and say, hey, listen, you don't need to do that. You don't need to go there. You don't need to be around them. And you need to make better decisions than what you're, what you're making. The decisions or the friends that you have today, they'll de- determine the direction that you're heading. I want to ask you two questions by way of conclusion. What kind of friend are you? You know, we're talking a lot about friends around us, so it's easy to be like, man, that person over there in the pew next to me, whoo, I'm dropping them after church. (laughs) What if you're the one that somebody else is saying they need to drop? Think about it. I don't say that to hate on anybody in here. All I'm saying is what kind of friend are you? Are you an encourager? Do you show up when life gets tough for people? Or do you criticize, ridicule, complain? Are you a sharpener? Some of you who have been saved for so long, you need to start finding people in this church and sharpen and allow some of the wisdom that God's blessed you with to rub off on a lot of other people around you. That's sharpener. That's Samuel. And then some of you, Nathan, we need some Nathans in our life who had, and Nathan had a relationship with David. And it, it, was, it was helpful, so when he came to tell him the hard truth, David listened and mourned over the sin that he had committed. What kind of friend are you? And then the second question is, what friend is missing from your life? Is it the encourager? Is it the sharpener? Or if it's the truth, teller. And I would tell you, all of them are found in this room. You're like, man, how can I find these people, man? I tell you, that would do my heart well to help you get plugged in in relationships in this place. And all those friends can be there for you. That's what the local church is for. Your friends determine the direction that you're heading. So we have to choose our friends and the relationships around us in our circle wisely. Would you bow your heads with me? Head bowed, hearts lifted in prayer. I'd like to ask everybody in here to stand at this time, nobody looking around. Seriously, this is what we call here an invitation or response. This is a moment where we can take in what the Word of God has said. And by the way, listen, I know I was the communicator and the preacher today, but I don't want you to hear what I have to say. I want you to hear what the Word of God has to say. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from Him. If you're in here today, I want you to answer, what kind of friend are you? And I want you to think, I want you to think about which friend is missing from your life. I'm going to pray, and then I'd love for you to make a decision. You can come down front and pray at this altar about some of the relationships in your life. Or you can make a decision there. Father, we love you. I pray that you'd bless in this response, this invitation, God. I pray that we would be a a church who, who wants to put our circle with people that are wise so that we can end up where we want to be and head in a direction that we want to go. For it's in your name we pray, amen. If God speaks to you, you come.